Come sit right here and help me. <laughs> I need you right here, Don. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. I want to introduce uh, Wes um, and Chris is there and, um, and, of course, Eric. And we have Claire with us that hasn't been with us since they've come on. And, um, Claire, would you say a, a hello to these guys for a moment? And uh, guys, you might, might want to say, have something to say. Amen. <laughs> this is Claire. This is Don Griggs' wife, his bride. <laughs> so she's with us tonight. Thank God. Good to have her. There's Don, his husband. All right. We had a wonderful time this morning. Uh, and this afternoon we went to... Uh, we went out and ministered at the uh, open air meeting uh, downtown off of uh, downtown Baton Rouge. Uh, we had quite a few of these guys with us, and we probably had, what, Don, 100, 150 probably out there today? 120 something. 100, 125 or so uh, that came out there. And we had some great moves of the Holy Spirit. Um, had some people come up and, and want to turn from their sin and, and, uh, and sin no more and walk with the Lord and made some good, uh, good, made some good cries out to God, you know. So it was really a blessing to be able to serve them and to minister to them and to help them. And I just want to thank uh, everybody that here that had a helping hand in that. And uh, in this ministry, we, um, uh, we were able to give them a lot of clothes. Uh, we were able to bless, bless um, Pastor Moore with some clothes to help him out. Uh, Don um, uh, came in, out and Ben cooked and everybody participated. Uh, Don brought his barbecue pit, brought the wieners and the buns, and we want to, the church here, uh, we want to um, help to pay that back so that we, we this is what we want to give to guys. As you give here, we want to be able to help those that are in need. So the Bible says to work with your hands so that you have to give to those who are in need, and those are people that are very needy. And we're happy to get out there and sweat our tails off. And uh, and Claire was out there working hard today. I saw her sweating. Jill was out there working hard. Cedric was out there working hard to, to video it and everything. And everybody just participated, uh, praying with people, helping people. What a blessed ministry that God has allowed us to do there for the last three weeks we've been going to. So it's been really nice and busy and what a blessing to be able to have doors up here with somebody's to pass the more there, uh, letting us come in and have the liberty to preach whatever I want to preach and to be able to speak into those people's lives and speak the truth of the gospel. And that's such a blessing. I'm so thankful for that. We need to really give thanks to the Lord for that great open door for this ministry. Yeah. Uh, I want to uh, always we open up in our in church here. The church is not about me just preaching to you. Uh, church is actually in no way was that you all everybody participated. Everybody's got a different gift, a different revelation, a question, uh, something you want to bring to mind so that we can open the word up together. Um, I want to offer first of all to open up if you got a testimony or something that you. Um, you deal, dealt with this week that you'd like to ask about, bring it before the group, um, anything going on that you want to, that you would like to know uh, about or a testimony about. Anybody? First of all, including everybody. Oh, I see Wes already. Hey, Wes, come on. Talk to us. You're smiling there looking good. Come on. You. 
Hey, hey Jennifer, hey Wes. Hey. Was that on the video? I didn't know I was yeah, on. you were. Yeah, you were on video. We're looking at you smiling, thinking you're ready to go, brother. <laughs> Wes has become a right. Wes. I don't, I don't have anything particular. Um, okay. Maybe my wife does. No, she doesn't. <laughs> put her on the spot. <laughs> I want to tell you. I, right. I want to tell you just a little testimony. Um, Wes and I, Wes and I met. Uh, I don't know, maybe four or five months ago, six months ago, and, he, and him and his wife have just been such a dear friend to me, and um, and I just uh, really am happy to be able to have met them and they be part of my life, and hopefully I'm part of the, and I, their lives, and uh, it's just been a blessing and encouragement. It's great to, to to speak to him. He's become really close, and I'm very very thankful for him. I feel like he lives next door. Uh, but he's, he lives all the way in um, Oregon, right? Is it Oregon? Right? Is that right? In Oregon? And uh, so, which is quite a little ways from here. So, uh, right. right. Okay, good. All the way in Oregon. I keep trying to get him to come and pack. I told him we'd help him pack up and get over here, right, Cedric? Yeah. But uh, we're waiting on Jennifer, I think. Yeah. One of our viewers said they love your name. Um, but you know what, Claire? It's only hot this week. Next weekend is supposed to be in the seventies. All right, so we'll be good, huh? Okay, that's right. So if they come next week, they'll be fine. Now the week we guess that it might be hot again. <laughs> yeah, at night. Yeah, that's right. Praise the Lord. I want. I want to say today. You know, like I was working on the truck. You know, and. and uh, I think I'm getting got it done, and then I had to take it all apart. And I'm, when I get going out there to take it all back apart, and I'm just sweaty, oily. Uh, I I prayed to God. I said, "Man, I just want to go to church today." And you know, I only had I only took about 20 minutes to take it apart, what I had to, and get it fixed. So it was like, "Thank you, God." Praise <laughs> the Lord. That's good. He wanted me to go to church. Well, Jill and I spent our date night on taking the washing machine apart and fixing it up. <laughs> Put a part on the washing machine. She was with the YouTube video again, Don. Well, what happened, I, I really think the problem was she said it was a sensor, so she ordered a sensor. She got on YouTube and figured all this out, ordered a sensor, and it came in, and so we had to turn the washer over and take the, the you remember the stator, the stator and all that off. And when I took it off, the nut that you and I, last time we took it apart, had come completely loose. It did. Yeah, it did. I went ahead and replaced the, the sensor that she bought, but I really think it was the nut that came loose, and I think it was causing some wobbling in there. But we're getting pretty good on that washing machine. <laughs> uh, yeah, we probably didn't tighten that nut. I don't know if we, did, we forgot about it or what, it didn't tighten that nut enough. Probably was my part. You're right. <laughs> I'll take the blame. It probably was me. <laughs> but my wife is a good mechanic, Don. She did good. <laughs> She's real good. So thank, praise the Lord. Okay. <laughs> Let her say it, Don. <laughs> just, just when I think that I'm, I'm right there, then the Lord says, no, you're not alone. And, and when I submit that way, I find other areas of... I find other areas of my life that I get blessed. And I had some time with my... I 
we talk about a wound that took place when I was raising her. And I apologized to her. I never felt called to apologize to her before, but I, I, I owned it that I didn't react the way she thought I should at that time, and I'll leave it at that. But mm -hmm. later on that night, she texted me. She said, I was thinking about what you were talking about at soccer, and I want you to know that it means a lot to me that you apologize. So I love you. Praise the Lord. You know, like yeah, that opened up some good door, yeah, yeah. Yeah, amen. That's good, Claire. That's good. I'm glad to see what God's doing in your life there. And I, I see it. I told Don the other day when, when he talked and told me something was going on, I said, and I could just see that God was doing the work, and I'm thankful for that. We're glad to have you here tonight with us. We love you, and we want you to be here with us. Okay. Uh, praise the Lord. The other day, we had a, a, a friend of ours, this older woman that uh, she had put on Facebook uh, asking about suicide, you know, and well, will you go to heaven if you do suicide? And I, of course, let her know that no, I mean, you know, it's a, it's committing a sin, and you're not even, you're not giving your chance. You don't even have a chance to ask for forgiveness and repent, you know. So therefore, you I mean, you, there's no way you can go to you can go to heaven, you know. And anyway. Then she came over last night, and she was pretty depressed, and uh, uh, still talking about it, you know. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, me and me and Larry uh, explained to her the, how what the Bible says, mm -hmm. and then uh, and then today she's got a son that work. He's a, a welder, you know, and and uh, so I took it upon myself because the way, the way it ends up is uh, okay. She's Monday, her electricity is going to be shut off, and she's going to come over and stay at our place, you know. And uh, but I contacted her son, and you know, let him know that hey, if, if my mom was talking about this and and to somebody and they didn't tell me, I would be really mad. So uh, this is what what's going on. And he texted back and he said, yeah, okay, I'm going over to give her some money and help her out and all that. So I think everything's going to be fine now. Good. Praise the Lord. I'm glad you were able to minister to her, Terry. That's good. That's a blessing. That's a blessing. Well, um, we had some great testimonies this morning um, out there um, at, at, the, um, at the open air. Um, as you saw, quite a few people um, came and I asked them, what did they come for, you know, and um, to make sure people understand what's going on. And they had, they had some Catholic people out there in blue. What about 10, 12 of them, Don, I guess? Something like that? Maybe more than that. Yeah, there was quite a few of those. And uh, But one came up, and I asked her what, what she come up for, and she says, um, she says, I, I just want to turn from my sin, repent. Um, I want to, um, I don't want to go back to it. I want to ask God to forgive me, and I want a new life in him. And this was a Catholic woman, you know, and that was such a blessing. And we had a lot of other great testimonies out there as well. But to be able to have the opportunity to, to speak into their lives, because they came out there basically thinking, I think, to just to, just to help out and just to be, you know, work thing. And they, and they, heard, the, they heard the truth of the gospel. And it, and it affected this girl so much. You know, sometimes when you're in a crowd, you're with a group and you're Catholic and this and that, 
But this girl stepped out of that and said, you know, to come up front, come up there and stepped away from them and said, I, I want this. You know, I, I want what's, what's going on here. I, I don't want to live like I've been living before. You know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we're just going to trust the Lord that, yeah. that uh, she will continue. Ms. Clay, you, you got another comment. Uh, Priv Wright said, I wrote both of my son's letters apologizing for all the mistakes that I made and not training them up in the way that they should go. They're both 29 and 28 soon now, and I'm the first born-again uh, born Christian in my entire family. Uh, Catholicism is, has so many people deceived. Catholicism, yeah. Uh, anybody else? Well, it's better for it's not for you. It's for them to be able to see who's talking. No, when you turn the camera on you. So it looks like well, God's kind of put me in a position where I'm speaking into at least one guy's life, and we actually got together on Saturday and went and read the Word together. And so he calls me multiple times a day, um, and he's really seeking the Lord. And he he, he came like well, he was telling me a statement of so he just got out of treatment. So he's, he's just working for cash. And he says, listen, tomorrow I'm going with this Brandon Sheridan guy, and he's going to set me up with the food stamps and all this and that, blah, blah, blah. I said, hold on one second, man. I says, uh, I'm going to speak this to you because I went through it. I said, when I got to the O'Brien house, they, they called me with, for the food stamp deal. What, what is the O'Brien house? Explain it because everybody doesn't know what it is. Okay, halfway house. Okay, halfway house. Substance abuse halfway house. Substance abuse halfway house. Okay. Todd, are you working right now? He says, yeah, I'm working. I said, you're getting paid cash. And it's, it would be real easy for you to say, yeah, give me the food stamps, make your life a lot easier, but it's dishonest, is what I said. I said, you need to make the right decision and say, you know what? I'm not going to, I'm going to go all in for the Lord, and I'm going to, I'm going to count on him to provide for me, and I'm not going to do something dishonest, because that's where it all starts. It's so much, and the enemy paints this picture. It's so easy. I didn't even think about it. I said, it, it's so much easier to get government money, but it's dishonest. It's not right. That's not why food stamps were there. Mm -hmm. And so he's, he's going to stand firm and not, not make the decision. But really, it's just such a blessing to have somebody that. You've been, you've been, uh, you've been sharing the truth with him oh, yeah. lately and, and, and sharing the, the true gospel. Today. The only reason why he didn't. The Lord. Anybody else has something? Look, you see West on Okay. Um, I want to say that um, it's a blessing to hear that you guys are reaching out to other people and sharing the truth and the gospel with them. That as we meet together as a group, that um, we're in the Word. You know, we, we search the Word out uh, for God's truth. 
and walk in that word. We, uh, li- we, we, we want to live the gospel, walk in the truth, because we have a great mission. Um, the truth is not spoken of very much in the age that we live in. Um, people are, are deceived and being deceived, and we need to help them to come out of that deception because it's been preached for so long that, you, you know, you can mess up and you're still going to uh, make it to heaven. As a matter of fact, Ben told me this week, I think, he said that uh, the place we spoke of on that video we made, um, uh, they were saying again, they brought out First John 1.8 that says, um, if you say you have no sin, you're a liar and the truth's not in you. Why And I don't get why people want to try to tell other people you can sin and go to heaven when when it's putting them in a position of of sending them to hell. Why would you encourage more people to believe what the truth of the gospel says and encourage people to stop sinning? It's also not not just sending them to hell, but it's on earth, it's separating them from God because God can hear the prayer I want to ask you a question tonight uh, This and before we move on to James and this is very important because I want everyone to understand this because the scripture says to earnestly contend for the faith Jude says because at the end, the end time that people would be turning the grace of God into a license to sin and of course we know that the grace of God is what causes a man to live godly it teaches all men to be godly and upright and blameless before the Lord it teaches us to deny all ungodliness which has appeared to all men uh, and it's important to that we're going we're gonna to confront people on these things and people. some people will cherry pick scriptures and take them out of the context of what they are or try to make them to establish a doctrine upon instead of looking at the whole counsel of the word of God and uh, does everybody, I guess what I'm asking is, does everybody have a clear understanding of 1 John chapter 1, verse 8? Yes. Everyone have a clear understanding of that? What does it say? It says, the one who says that he has no sin is a liar and the truth's not in him. 1 John? 1 John chapter 1. Yes, 1 John 1 and 8. You got to point it on you. <laughs> why people preach that. But I think it's obvious that either one, they just don't see it, they're deceived, or two, well, being deceived, they think that they're preaching the right thing. They think that you can truly go to heaven with sin in your life. So to them, it's, it, they're not preaching a lie, they're not preaching a, they're deceived and they don't see it. Or the other thing is maybe they've never heard it yet. Well, the preacher has heard it. <laughs> The preacher that I'm talking about has heard it, and I've told him, and we preached about is what he's done, and he continues to go down that path, and uh, the counsel of the Word of God, you've got to avoid and you've got to overlook a lot of Scripture to try to preach to people and tell them you don't really have to obey God, that all you need to do is accept Him as your Savior, and you're, you're saved and going to heaven. Ben? I got a question. Go ahead, Ben, first. Okay, so um, I, I was in the gym this week, and I, and I was talking and ministering to, it's a 
guy, he's a pastor, he has a church downtown, and, and we go back and forth, and we contend for the faith, and I told him very clearly, I, said, I asked him, I said, is sin, is, is sin going to enter into the kingdom of heaven? He says, I would have to say no. But I said, well, good answer. I said, well, how can we preach the message of you're always going to mess up? What if you die in that sin? I mean, you know, and so I ran into this guy like twice. He invited me to go to the church, and I told him, I said, I want to sit down and let's talk before I become, before I go over to some fellowship and be part of, and you're preaching a message. And we would talk about the drive-through Christianity, getting the ticket stamped and the whole nine, because that's what it is. But he said, no, sin is not going to enter the kingdom of heaven, but you're still going to fall short. You're going to make mistakes. You're still gonna so make nobody's mistakes. going to heaven. Yet. It's like a double <laughs> Well, that's, that's the deal. It's, it's, like, it's like, well, no, sin's not going to go to heaven. You're not gonna, sin's not going to enter the kingdom of heaven, but you're still going to make a ton of mistakes, and you're going to sin. And so it's like it's double-minded, you know? It's a yeah. double-minded deal. Deacon church, that's the <laughs> Larry. I'm uh, heading the same direction. <clears throat> and uh, I, in fact, um, earlier today, um, I was going to bring this up anyway. And it's amazing that we're talking about it. It's like, and, uh, okay. But uh, if you say you're, you're, you're righteous and you have no sin in your life, are you a liar? According to this, you are. Okay. Go go to but let's let's go to the next verse. Pardon me? Go to the next verse. <laughs> go, go to the next verse. Read the next verse. And, and we confess our sins. He is faithful and just, and he forgives us of our sins. And he cleanses us from our unrighteousness. Okay. And number ten. No, no, stop right there. I'm gonna ask you a question. According to verse nine, if you right now, if you were say you were in sin. And you ask God to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness, would he do it? Okay. First, first John 1 John 1.9 said, if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness, right? So if a person confesses their sin, they've turned from their sin and repented and confesses their sin, which is part of that godly sorrow, and he turns from that sin, he asks God to forgive him and to cleanse him Clean him up from all that sin. So if you clean something, there's nothing left of it, right? All right. So that person, is that, per, is that person at that time, and does he have any sin? Right. But wait a minute, wait a minute. Does, does he have any sin? No. Well, you just, you just messed up on verse 8. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> you just said you didn't have any sin. They seem like they're in opposition to those two verses. Seem like yeah, that's a, that's a good point. What? What? <laughs> what that's a great point. There's just a very simplicity. That's very simple to understand. If, he, if he's faithful and just to cleanse you of all unrighteousness, then there's no more right. There's no more unrighteousness in you. So you couldn't. You would literally be going against what he's saying. If you said you had no sin, you're a liar, and the truth's not in you. So what is it? You know, you're, you're, you're going to go back and forth and you're going to be wrong and it's damned if you do or damned if you don't at that point. So you know he's not saying you're never going to never walk in sin. You're just going to be some lump of sin 
you know, for the rest of your life, and that's all you can do is sin. Because even in chapter 2, he says, My little children, these things I write to you so that you may, N-O-T, not sin. <laughs> that was the whole purpose of the writing. That's right. Let me give you another verse with that, okay, before we move on. Because I want to show you the context of it, but I want to give you some other verses that he says that also would seemingly contradict that, okay? Look at verse 6 for chapter 1. Chapter 1 and verse 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness. What is darkness? Sin. And lie, we, we, lie and we lie and do not the truth. So here's saying, if you're saying that you're a Christian and you're walking in sin, you're lying and you're not doing the truth. You're not, you're not in the truth. So one said, well, if you say you, you, you're not sinning, then, then you're lying and you're not true. He's saying if you say, if you, say you know him and you're not, and you are sinning, you walk lying and do not the truth. Now look at verse, uh, verse number, um, um, verse number th- of, of five. No, no, let's, let's see. No, I'm sorry, verse 4. He, chapter 2, verse 4, chapter 2. He that says, I, I know him and keeps not his commandments is a liar and the truth's not in him. Oh, that seems like a contrast. So the one that's saying, I, well, I know Jesus, but he's not keeping his commandments. He's a liar and the truth's not in him. So who's the liar and the truth's not in this is the thing, and I'm going to start from, verse, from the first part of 1 John when we go through it, but this is the thing that you want to keep in memory. History tells us that the, that the book of 1 John was, at the beginning, starting writing, that John is talking to, I don't know if you ever heard them before, they were Gnostics. Anybody know, know what Gnostics were? Gnostics lived during that time, and they believed that they had never sinned. They believed it was only their fleshly body that was sin, that was sin, and that was not them, that they were the spirit. And they, they believed they had not sinned. So John is trying to convince them that you have sinned and that you have sinned then. Look at the first, first part of it, of, of, chapter, of chapter 1, 1 John. I want to take you through something and show you something. First of all, he said that was just from the beginning. He talks about being with Christ. We, look, we looked upon him. We, our hands have handled him. He was the word of life. Verse 2, for the life was manifested, we've seen and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What was the eternal life that was manifested to us? Jesus. Okay? Verse 3, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. So they weren't having fellowship with Christ yet. He said that you also may have that fellowship with us, and our fellowship truly is with the Son, Jesus Christ. Because remember, a little bit later, we read that verse a little bit further. It said, if, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with him, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. So he's saying, I want you to have the same fellowship we're having. Let's go further. And these things write unto you that your joy may be full. Where's their joy full? No, he said, I'm writing to you that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we're lying and we're not doing the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, 
We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Washes all that sin away. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth's not in us. So we know, everyone knows that we, all we like sheep have gone astray. Everyone at one time in their life, they've sinned. So that's why they needed a Savior. Also, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, he's making a lot of these ifs. If you do this, you see, if you, uh, we want you to have that fellowship with Jesus. Like they don't have that fellowship yet because they had to, first of all, confess. Like he's saying in verse 9, if you confess it, you see, then he'll forgive you and cleanse you from all, all unrighteousness. So go to verses 8 and 10. See, I've never noticed that you have 8 that says, if we say that. We have, say we have not sinned, yeah. This, one, this is King James Version. Yeah. And I've switched it to your Yeah, yeah, okay. So 8 says, uh, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. See, I've always thought that it's, it's, I was getting 8 and 10 confused. If we say that we have not sinned, kind of like the, the, the Gnostics were saying, we've never sinned. But 8 says, if we say that we have no sin, Mm-hmm. So where are we, I'm kind of, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Is that not, is they that were saying they had no, they were saying they had no sin. As if you never sinned. As if they had never sinned. Well, see, I understand 10. And also it's kind of almost a repeat of verse is, 10. Is but this one says, you know, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And then 10 says, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Both of them applied to this group of people. They, they were saying they had no sin, and right. also that they had sinned in the past. Okay, so both, both were applicable to these, yeah. to these people he was talking to. So but then, remember, like he said, so the first... you're saying is, read the whole Bible, not just sections of it. Yeah, if you just pull a verse out, you, you can try to select that... And, and try to make it mean what you want to mean it to fit your doctrine. But when you look at the whole counsel of the Word of God, too, even through the book of First John, remember he goes a little further, like in First John chapter three and verse eight, he says, "If we sin, you're of the devil." So, so, but this is almost sounding to, to some people that sounds like, well, if I say I don't have any sin, then I'm the devil. No, if you sin, you of the devil. John was writing this. He says in verse one of chapter two, he says, "I write this to you that you don't sin." My little child written these things unto you that you not, don't sin. But if you do, you have an attitude to Christ. That's the same follow-up. But this, all, you know, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not some unrighteousness. That's right. All unrighteousness. Totally clean. So it would be, it'd be a, the whole thing. Yeah, be just because sin. if you take verse 9 and you've, do, and you've done that, then, then, and you're saying, like right now, say, I confess my sin, I, I turn from my sin, I've repented, and I say, okay, I don't, I don't have any sin, because Jesus forgave them all. Yeah. Then you would be crossing up verse 8, if that's right. what it meant, because you'd be saying, you'd be a liar, and the truth wouldn't be in you. You see, so they can't, that can't match. Another way, if you go to chapter 3, in verse 22, he says, and whatsoever we ask, we receive of him. Why? Because we keep his commandments. And do those things that are pleasing in his sight. What's one of that? First John three twenty two. So that's you receive from him because you're keeping his commandments. So the whole book of First John it goes on and on 
uh, he says in, in, in chapter 3, he goes there and he says, uh, verse 4, he said, whosoever, I took it from you? Oh, that's where I was <laughs> Okay, we're going to say mine. I'll let you say it if you want. You know where, it, where it says that, and in him there is no sin. That doesn't mean that, he's not talking about the man Jesus that says that if you are in Christ, yes, right. there is no sin. That's right, that's and right. Okay, and verse 4 says, whosoever commits sin... This is the definition of sin. So it's the transgression of the law. Um, that's why babies are not, are not born in sin. People want to say they're born in sin from original sin for, from Adam. Sin is the transgression of the law. A little baby can't transgress the law because they don't even know what the law is. You see? So that would be impossible. But sin is the transgression of the law. And then uh, verse 7 we talk about Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, he is righteous. Verse 8, he that commits sin is of the devil. So if I'm committing any sin, I have to admit to it, like this verse says, I have to admit, I say, man, I'm of the devil if I'm committing sin. But the, other, the preachers of today will tell you, no, everybody sins. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible said, whosoever commits sin is of the devil. I don't know about you. I, wouldn't want, I don't want to be of the devil. Because, but the fear of the Lord has caused me to depart from sin. Very clearly, verse 9 says, whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him. He cannot sin because he is born of God. He can't. You, at that time, when you're walking in that, the only person you can make a choice not to. There we go. Eric, go ahead. No, yes, Eric. He's going down, down, down. <laughs> now, am I connection No, sir. We're not hearing it. It's breaking up, sir. I don't know why yours, yours always does that, Sorry. Eric. Yes, that's where I live, I guess. Okay, try it, try it now. You sounded better. My comment was the uh, if you look at both verse eight and then the strong word is the same, which is not N O T. The distinction between the two verses is you are deceived versus making him a lie. But the word is the same. It's the same word, not sin. The translation is wrong. No, no sin. No, what you're saying is no sin and not sin is the same word? That not there and no is the same word? Yes, brother. That's correct. That's interesting. In the Greek, you're talking about when you look at the Greek. Yeah. Okay. Oh, the, the eight and the ten. Yeah, yeah eight and the ten are basically the same, he said. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Eric. Did you have something, Wes? I saw you came on. Yeah, I mean, you kind of covered it. it was, I was going to add uh, chapter 3, verse 8, but even in, uh, in chapter 2, um, where it says, he, in verse 6, it says, He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. So did Christ him? Was Christ walking in sin? We know he wasn't. So you can't be walking like Christ walked if you're walking in sin, 
So, yeah, he's, he's like what Don's saying, John's contending against the, the Gnostics who were saying that even though they were living in sin, they were somehow seated in heavenly places and their, their bodies were physically sinning, but their spiritual man wasn't. And so they had this dual nature that they were teaching. And that's what John was contending against because, you know, they were just saying, we don't, we don't need to repent of our sins. We're not sinning. Um, when obviously, and that's why when he talks about, you know, confessing your sins and being cleansed of all unrighteousness. Now, if you're cleansed of all unrighteousness, which would be equivalent to being cleansed of your past sins, because that's what Christ, you know, came to be a sacrifice to cleanse, of a, cleanse us of our past sins. But that only happens when somebody confesses and repents and turns from all known sin. So once that procedure happens, you don't have to go back and forth and then, which is really what they're teaching because they want, you know, a way to continue to live in sin. So they're twisting what John's saying, just like they did with Paul's writings and Romans 7 and throughout the rest of the New Testament. And so they do the rest of the scriptures. But yeah, that's, that's, that, that's really what you got here. And that was a great point that Eric made that no and not is exactly the same word. So it's just a repeat of what you know he's saying in that whole chapter one. Another good point is first John chapter five. If you'll go to verse eighteen. We know that whosoever is born of God does not sin. But he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one touches him not. Pretty clear? So you see, we went through basically every chapter, except for chapter 4, and we can go there too, where, where John was writing these things, and he tells you this. He says this in verse 13 of chapter 5. He says, These things have I written to you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So he's wrote, written these things to you. How you can know that you have eternal life. Well, what's the things we read that we can know we have eternal life? That sin stops in your life. Because he said this. Look at, first, look at chapter 5. And he says in verse 4. He said, for whosoever is born of God does what? He overcomes the world. Does that sound like defeat? He's overcoming the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even your faith. So there you got it. This is what John is talking about. He talks about this throughout. Look at 1 John chapter 2 and verse 10. He says this. He that loves his brother abides in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. He never stumbles. So all through this, we're seeing that. He walks as Christ walked. He, uh, he's born of God, he does not commit sin. He's begotten of God, he does not commit sin. The one that says, I know him and keeps not his commandments is a liar and the truth's not in him. So if a person says, hey, I'm a Christian. Well, are you sinning? Yes. He's lying. Yeah, and, and that's the thing, you've got to humble yourself to, to the word of God and say, you know what, the word of God is right, I'm wrong. 
Well, they say, well, I accepted the Lord. Well, I had all this done. Well, I did all these works. Well, didn't you, you know what you're doing? You're putting yourself in the same place as Matthew 7, 21. That says, in that day, many will say to me, we cast our devils. We healed the sick. We've done all these miracles. And Jesus says, depart from you, me, you workers of sin. Then they lose it. Or, or, or Luke chapter 12, it says, strive to enter in for many shall strive to enter and shall not be able. There's few that, that enter in. Now, one other thing that, that, that Wesley brought up is in 1 John, when you're reading the book of 1 John or any book in the New Testament, you have to understand there's no chapters in Greek. In other words, it's not chapter 1 or not, it's not st stopping and they start in a whole other subject and going to chapter 2. They all run together. There's no capital letters or little letters. They're all the same in Greek. No commas and none of that. So when you're reading 1 John chapter 1, it continues to 1 John chapter 2. The reason why I bring that out, it's important to note that what a lot of people will do to justify their behavior of going back to their sin or, going, or continuing to stumble is they want to say and use 1 John, 1 John chapter 2 where he says, my little children are writing, yet you sin not. But if any man does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, the righteous one, Jesus Christ. Now, see, see there, I can, I can sin and repent, and I can go back to it. You have to go back to what is repentance. You have to define repentance. Repentance is not a going back and forth. Second Corinthians chapter 7, as you know, in verse 10 says, Godly sorrow leads to repentance, and repentance to salvation not to be repented of. What does that mean, not to be repented of? In other words, you don't go back. That's why he said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. You don't become a new creature and become an old creature. Become a new creature, become an old creature. He's a new creature. Old things are past, and all things have become new. He's a new, he's walking in newness of life, not oldness of life. That'd be like the prodigal son going off, Leaves the father, go out, commit, goes with the whores, goes with all that, comes back to the father, and then goes back again, and comes back to the father. You don't see that in the scripture. You don't see King David going commit adultery with a woman, killing her husband, going back and live for God, to go back and kill her husband again. Kill, live, you don't see that because that's not repentance. Repentance is a godly sorrow coupled with a breaking and a change of mind. I'm not going to live that way anymore. Now, during that repentance time, which can be either a short time or it can be a certain duration of time, it depends on you of how long that repentance is. But until a full repentance comes into place, you are not saved yet. You are not in salvation. And even once you have salvation, you can turn back. You could always make a choice to go back the other way. So you're really not saved until the end. But you can be partaker of that salvation, of that earnest, as you walking in the truth. If we don't, we're not walking in the truth, we admittedly have to say, because of the scriptures that we read in 1 Corinthians 6, 10, uh, Ephesians chapter 5, uh, Romans chapter 1, Revelation chapter 21, verse 4, those scriptures that say, if you do these things, you shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Because if you're doing those things, that means you hadn't repented yet. That means you're not that new creation yet. You don't come from being a new creation to go back to be an old creation. A new creation to an old creation. That's why the scripture says in Hebrews chapter 10, 26, if we sin willfully after we've come to the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for our sin. So 
When you understand that and grasp that, now, when I said that it, repentance can take a certain time, some people want to linger that out. It only takes as much time as when you have the fear of God in your life and when you're broken enough to come to it. The guy that was, at the, at, that was hanging with Jesus on the cross, how long did it take him to really repent? Right away. Right? I mean, he, he repented. And he, Jesus said, today you're with me in paradise. Some people linger on because the fear of God is not strong enough in their life. The Bible says in Proverbs 16, 6, by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. So what's going to make you depart from evil? Man, I got to get this right. I can't play around with this. I got to make sure I get this right. Amen? Wes, you had something? Yeah, with uh, just in regards to... 1 John 1, 8 and 9, you know, if we, if we say we have those truth is not in us, but if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, if you're cleansed from all unrighteousness, like I said, then that's your past sins. But if we go over to 2 Peter chapter 2, and we look at verse 18, or even if we just go to verses 20 through 22, you kind of see the same process of, of people that have been washed, like verse 22. But verse 20 says, For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome. Um, like the Don's saying, you know, anybody that's born of God overcomes the world. Um, so if you're, if you're entangled back in your sin, you're, over, you're, you're overcome by your sin again. And then it says the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. Would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandments delivered to them, but has happened to them according to a true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit and a sow having washed See, that's what, that's what verse 9 ties into. That was washed. washed. That's good. Washed to the wall in the mud. Cleansing, cleansing, Don. Same thing as cleansing, that washed. Amen. That's good. That's good, uh, Wes. I like that. That's good. But So what, what he's saying, Wes, and what you're relating there is if a person, say they, they've, they've, had, they've come to the Lord, they've, um, but they've only had a measure of repentance, is what's actually happened. They may think, well, I've had, a, I've repented and I'm right with God. But if they go back and commit a sin, they're in this place in Second Peter here where he talked about they're going back and returning to the vomit. They're going back and returning to the pig pen. Oh, then those even, they're even they're full, yes, because they, they came to the knowledge, yeah. Having right escaped back. the pollutions of the world. So they've escaped through the knowledge of the Lord yeah. and Savior Jesus Christ. They escaped You're right. from all that. They've separated. They've had a full repentance. But if they go back after having washed, because you can only be washed by the blood of Jesus Christ if you truly repented of your sins, because he's going to wash. That's why Revelation talks about they dipped their robes within the blood of the Lamb, but that only happens when you turn from all known sin. Now, if you go back, like what Peter's talking about, you, you're, you, you're likened to the proverb of, you know, a dog returning to its vomit and a sow having washed from his past sins, having, having been converted, really, is what that's saying. It would be likened to the prodigal son coming out of the pig pen, 
you know, because it's kind of like that, the mire coming out of that, coming back to the father, the father seeing him from afar off, putting the robe on him, giving him a ring, which would be a representation of, of conversion or salvation, and then going again and going back to your vomit or the, you know, or being the, being the sow that returns to the, to the mire after having washed. And so really, you, you, really what it's saying is you could lose your salvation because it, you know, it says that it would be better for you not to have known than to have known and turn from it. Here's an important point too, Wes. Uh, he, right here, from what you're talking about, uh, this is not even applicable to a person who's never come to a full repentance. The person that never has come to where they actually ever stopped sinning, they never come to this because they, they, they've just sinned and repented, sinned and repented. They never really came to, uh, not, I want, don't even want to say sinned and repented. I want, want to say more like uh, sinned and, and, and uh, apologized. apologized. That's good. Thank you, Terry. Uh, they sinned and apologized. That's, that's a back and forth. Because repentance is a total change of mind. That's what repentant means, where you've said, I'm not going to do that anymore, and you turn from it. If you're still going back to those things, then you've never really had a total repentance. You've never become that new creation. So what we have today, a lot of, is a lot of people, they, they've never even experienced the full repentance yet. They just still, because they were told that they were saved in their sin, therefore they're going to go to heaven in their sin. What? Right, this scripture is talking about somebody that has had a full repentance. That's right. They can still go back and lose their That's right, because you always have a choice. Right. But, but what I'm talking about is the people that haven't had a full repentance are not even included in this, because they've never left the pig bin. They're just, they're just wallowing. Okay? Any comment on that? Yeah, Hebrews 6. Yeah. That was the big thing that Jesus was saying in Matthew 7. He, he was saying, in, in, and I think you were, you were talking to me about Jeremiah 7 today, about they say we, we say we do all these things and we're cleared of our sin, is a lot of people are busy doing things they think for God, and they think somehow maybe that will make up for their sin. But they never really got their own heart right. Song of Solomon says uh, that uh, God's children, uh, the children were angry at me for they may be keepers of vineyards, but my own vineyard I have not kept. The scripture says it removed the beam from your eye so that you can help the brother remove the moat from his eye. Well, if the beam's never been removed, but look, we go and do all this stuff. We're going, if we're going out to open air and we're telling everybody Jesus, kind of like today, I had a guy, he came up, Don. Uh, and he was kind of a loud, loud guy. And I said, what are you here for? Well, I'm here just to give my testimony. He started trying to preach to the people. The Lord put him a heart. And then I began to smell a little something. I said, this man is not right. And I went to him and I said, listen, I said, you've got a problem with alcohol. And he said, how dare you preach to these people? You need to come to a place of repentance yourself before you get up and do this. You need to go sit down over there and, and be quiet and get your heart right. But that's what you have a lot of today. And, and look, he received it. He said, thank you. He said, you're right. And he went and he sat down. 
But a lot of people today, they still have sin in their heart, but they're going out and trying to spread the gospel because they believe there will always sin. Because, but they, don't have, they still got the beam in their eye. You can't preach the gospel with the beam in your eye. It got, it's got to come out so you can see clearly to help your brother remove the moat that's in his eye. Exactly, Ben. Exactly. God's okay with you. And that's exactly what the Lord said. He said, in that day, you're going to come before me. And you're going to say, wait a minute, Lord. I've done all this good stuff. All these miracles. All these uh, casting out devils. Uh, prophesying, preaching, which means preaching in your name. Uh, did all this good stuff. And he'll say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. And listen, a lot of people... Pray, pray in, in tongues, and I believe in praying in tongues. I pray in tongues. And all this stuff, and pray in English, and they think they're communicating with God. They're not communicating with God. Why, Ben? Because God can't hear them. He will not hear the prayer of a sinner. Whether it's in tongues, English, or whatever you're praying in. He will not hear you. He said in, in Isaiah 59, 1 and 2, he said this. He said, the Lord's hand is not short that he cannot save, neither is he, his ear heavy that he cannot hear. But your sin has separated you from your God. And he said, and your sin had hid his face from you that he will not hear your prayer. I didn't say that. God said that. How much clearer can that be? We have to take the word of God and go by what it says. There's an extreme danger in thinking that, hey, you know what? Everybody sins. That's okay. I mess up. I just confess it. And I, it cleanses me and I go again and I go again and I go again. You never became a new creature then. No. Uh, Isaiah 59 verse 1 and 2. I keep running into people as they say that it's a heart issue. It is a heart issue. But I, I <laughs> it is a heart issue. They feel like well, as long as my motives are good and I want to do good then I can do whatever the world I want to do. And I, cause I keep confronting it because I said brother you can want, oh, I really want to serve the Lord, but I'm on the way to the casino with alcohol and doing it, you know. I mean, it's hmm? just. Uh, He's talking about having a desire. Okay. It's just yeah. not. Yes, sir, go ahead. There you, that's right. Quit sinning. Seek, yeah. Seek judgment. Seek judgment. <laughs> Who does that? Yeah, really. Uh, they don't want that. <laughs> judge the fatherless. Plead to the widows. Come now. Let us read them. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. Uh, Say the Lord. Uh, Though your sins are as scarlet, I shall make them white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be like wool. Another good one is in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter six, chapter sixty-six, verse eighteen. You might want to write that one down along with it, Claire. It's Isaiah sixty-six, eighteen. It says, "If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me." It's another one. It says, "If if you be willing and obedient." There you go, Isaiah one. Yeah. You shall eat. Read the next part. That's it. 
That's it. That's good. Uh, you remember, and uh, also in John chapter nine, you could also see it clear where Jesus, um, where the, where that uh, blind man uh, receives his sight, and he's talking to to the uh, to the, 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 the scribes and Pharisees, and he says this: "We know that no sinner, the Lord does not hear the sinner." The, the, uh, you know, remember he said that about this about the blind man. We know that he don't doesn't hear him. I want I want to turn to Mark seven. Unless you have something, Wes, do you have something? Hmm? What? You know what I'm saying? You, you, you call him Wes a lot, but you haven't called Chris. Chris is on there also. I know. I'm waiting. If Chris wants, anybody wants to speak, they go down where, where, where Wes is, don't they? Yeah, Chris, if you'd like to say something, man, you're more than welcome. We'd love to hear from you, Chris. Hi, Lord. Yeah, thank you. Hey, Chris. All right. Looking good. Yeah. Good to see you, though. Amen. Okay, Mark chapter 7. Look what Jesus says here. You talked about a heart issue, Ben. This is the heart issue. They were, they were eating with unwashed hands. And they were complaining to the Lord, says your disciples eat with unwashed hands. Jesus began to explain, he says, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man, but that which comes out of the mouth that defiles him. That messes him up. But he explains this. He says in verse 18 of chapter 7 of Mark, said to them, Are you so, so without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatsoever things from without entereth into man, it cannot defile him? Because it enters not into his heart, but into his belly. He's talking about tangible things that you eat. And goeth out into the draught, purging all meats. And he said, That which cometh out of the man, that defiles the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed what? Evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetous. He goes on and on. He says, all these evil sins come from within and defile the man. So if I have any sin that manifests out of my life, whether it's something I speak, whether it's something I think, whether it's something I do, where is it coming from? It's coming from my heart. Why? Because my heart is not right with God. If your heart's right with God, you're not going to have anything come out. So when I, when I have a sin, I, I, you know, if there was a sin in my life, I could think, well, I need to you know, uh, do all these things to quit sinning. That's good. That's right. But really, I have to realize my heart's not right with God, and I'm not going to make it. That's when the fear of the Lord causes a person to depart from evil when they see that. Go ahead, Wes. Yeah, just to go along with what you're saying, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And Jesus also said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Amen. So it's really, a, it's really a, a photograph of, you know, what's, what you're doing. You know, your, your heart's not separate from your actions. That's right. It can't be. That's right. You know, that's why James even says in James 4, he says, cleanse your, your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, you double-minded. So if you're double-minded, meaning if you're, if you're a friend of the world and, and think that you're a friend of God, it's not so. That's, anyone that's a friend of the world is an enemy of God. 
You yes. know, and and John says if you you know if you love this world, the love of the Father is not in you. You can't you can't have you can't be double minded. You can't serve two masters. You're either serving God or you're not serving it. That's 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 really what it is. And so when someone says God knows my heart, um, your heart's connected to your works. And Jesus continuously, even if you wanted that argument to stand, Jesus in Revelation goes to all the seven churches and says, I know your works, which is really. Um. He says in verse 12, For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. That's sin. What, what are you saying? I know you don't hear. Yeah, the goodness of God leads a person to repentance. Yeah, it's God's goodness because he will, and he did that with all of us, didn't he? I mean, your, your life became a wreck or something happened, you know, that, that uh, began to wake you up. So he, he does that with all of our lives. He, he's not, he doesn't do that just with some and others. That's why he says in Titus chapter 2, he says, The grace of God has appeared to all men, every man. says that uh, John chapter 1, he says, He lighteth every man that cometh into the world. There's a light there if a person will respond to that light. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men. He was lifted up on Calvary. He is drawing all men. But you see, that, but that, and that's, that's the difference, you see. That God's kindness leads you toward repentance. The goodness of God leads a man to repentance. So, I mean, if you're praying something, and like he's here, but he's, he's not your genie in a bottle, I guess is what I'm trying to say, but not there yet, but you see God moving your life because his kindness leads you toward repentance. A person has to come to the place where it's not, and let's get, let's get repentance clear. Repentance is, is a total change of mind. It's not a change of mind of one sin. It's not a change of mind of two sin. It's a change of mind of, their whole, of your whole lifestyle that you change from. That's why he calls it born again, that you're not the same creature. That's why he says you live in a newness of life, that you're not living in the oldness of life. That's why he said old things are passed away and all things become new. It's all. It's not just some sin. Those, if there's some sin, all that's there to tell you is that you haven't repented yet. You haven't been changed. Because, listen, a good tree can't bring forth Bad fruit, corrupt fruit. Oh, I'm just more talking about how he draws you. Okay. You know, just that these he draws different people in different ways. Yeah. yeah. So I guess it just, I don't like to think that God doesn't hear our prayers while, we're, while we were still sinners. He died for us. So, uh, well, you have to think that because that's what the scripture says. But it also says that. Well, well, that has nothing to do with him hearing your prayers. The goodness of God leads a man to repentance has nothing to do with your prayers. It has to do with God awake, awakening a person. to, to, to uh, He said his hand is not short that he will not save. He will do what he would work on a person's life. But it has nothing to do with their prayers to him other than the prayer of repentance. 
If a person's sitting there and praying all the time and talking to God about blessing him with this and that, and his heart is not right with God, his prayer is an abomination to the Lord. How about all those prayers like somebody's dying or their child is sick and they say, oh Lord, if you do this, you know. He doesn't I'm... hear it. That's, that's the prayers he doesn't hear, according to what the scripture says. He doesn't hear that. He hears it, but he doesn't answer it. He doesn't give attention to that. He's waiting on that person to come to a place where they, where they turn and cry out. He said, a humble and contrite spirit will no wise cast out. The new creation. Paul, Paul even says in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, he said, Cursed be those who love not the Lord Jesus Christ. He said that God hates the evildoer. He's turned away from them. He, just like he read in Isaiah chapter 1, he says, Though you lift your hands to me, I'm not, I'm not listening to you. I'm not hearing you. Why? Because he says, if you'll come to me, then, he says, then I'll wash you white as snow. Then, though your sins be red like crimson, they'll be washed white as snow. If you be willing and obedient, not just willing, but obedient, then you will eat the good of the land. But if you don't, then the sword will not depart from you. So it, it takes, God wants all of you. You know, he, he, he's not selling for something that you try to fix up for him, but it's still got junk. It's like he said, if you, if you sin in one point, you're guilty of the whole law. So you got, you're a total mess. So he wants a total cleansing, a total of, of abandonment of yourself. That's why he said stuff like with so heavy duty when he says simple scriptures like, for, like uh, Luke 9, 23. He says, if any man will come after me, let that person deny their self. Forget about yourself. If you forget about yourself, you're not going to sin. He says this in Romans chapter 14. He says, Romans 13, excuse me. says, owe no man anything save to love one another. For love is the fulfillment of law. Well, what is the, and he says, all, all that's fulfilled in love, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill. He mentions all that in Romans 13. And he says, because if you love your neighbor, as yourself, and you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and not say, I, I, I love you as I love myself. Am I going to steal from you? No. Am I going to try to kill you? Am I going to try to take anything? If I really love you, am I going to do any sin against you to hurt you? It's impossible for you to. Because love is the fulfillment of the law. That's the law of liberty. So when we love someone, and he says, if you, the opposite of love, Jesus doesn't really get into the thing where there's love, like, and, and hate. No, he goes from love to hate in the scriptures. So he says, if you love your brethren, you walk in the light, there's no occasion of stumbling in you, because it's impossible to. That's why he said, to see the right by sin, it's impossible for you to sin, because you're walking in love. And love does not think or show e evil to his neighbor. Love Loves his neighbor. Love is kind. Is patient. It's all these things opposite of sin. Thinketh no evil. Does no evil. You know, so that is the fulfillment of it. So it becomes a new creature. Becomes born again. Becomes newness of life. Becomes uh, old things past all things become new. Talk up, man. He is not willing that any should perish, but all come repentance. So even though 
unless, unless that person has gone to a point where they have a reprobate mind, and then that's over. Wes? Yeah, just to go along with the, the topic, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 16, it says, If anyone sees his brother sinning a sin, which does not lead to death, he will ask, and, will, and he will give him life for those who commit sins not leading to death. There is a sin leading to death. I do not say that he should pray about that. Mm -hmm. So if somebody's in sin, if we're talking about like even the individual praying to God, God only hears the, the prayer of somebody that's truly repentant and turning to him is what Don's really contending for. And I think everybody should be contending for that because that's pretty much the faith that was once delivered to the saints even from the early times. Um, but you see this in John, but you also see the same concept even in the Old Testament. You had Saul who was unrepentant and Samuel was praying and crying out for uh, King Saul. And, um, and you see that God says, get up, stop praying for me. Um, and because, he, because Saul wasn't repentant, he was wanting to still be honored before the people if you look into the story of his life. But he had, a, he had a worldly sorrow. He was sorry because God wasn't on his side and fighting for him. But he wasn't sorry like David was, is, you know, that was to turn from all sin. And so that's the difference. And you see the same concept also in Jeremiah 15, verse 1, it says, uh, then, the Lord said to Mo said, uh, then the Lord said to me, even if Moses and Samuel stood before me, my mind would not be favorable toward these people. Um, Ezekiel 15 also has the same concept to go along with it. But if you, if you read through, I'm, I'm not going to go through all this, but if you want to write this down, look through Jeremiah 15, look through Ezekiel 15. Let me see if I can go there really quick because it says the same thing. Uh, Ezekiel 15 says, um, uh, hold on. Maybe it's not in Ezekiel 15. But he says the same concept in Ezekiel. Maybe it's 25. Trying to find it. This is just off the cup. Um, he, he says the same same concept in Ezekiel. I'll have to look it up. It says, even if Moses, Samuel, and like Job stood before me, I, would, I wouldn't uh, listen to these people. Um, I wouldn't be favorable. They would only save themselves, um, be, you know, with, with their own, by their own righteousness. So you see that, you know, it all has to do with people repenting. And uh, that's the only thing that really God hears. So that's what I'd add. Okay. You can also go to Jeremiah 7, 15 through 16. It's there too. Yeah. We got a lot of old people in they can't hear, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, as, as for say, she wasn't here last last week when we were studying, but uh, you know, uh, doubt hinders prayer also. Mm -hmm. Where in James uh, one, where he, where he say, if any man lack wisdom, he that's just an example. Uh, he says, if any man uh, uh, pray for something and he has doubt, then he can't expect. Shouldn't expect any other 
Amen. So, so doubt actually hinders prayer also. I like that scripture also that you brought up, Wes, that one in First John 5, there is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it, for that person. I thought that was pretty strong. Does scripture tell you not to pray for somebody that has a certain sin? That's under death. What was that? First John 5, uh, verse 16. It is Ezekiel 14. What? Ezekiel 14, 12 through 14 is the same concept. That's what I was trying to find. Okay. Because uh, it shows that God's not going to hear you, you know, if, if you're in sin. I'll just read it. It's verse 14. Even if these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, they would deliver only themselves by their righteousness, says the Lord. Because, it, because in verse 12 it says they're sinning by persistent unfaithfulness. God's not going to hear them. He's only going to hear those that are righteous and living righteous and those that are truly repentant. Uh, that's that's the only response that God, you know, responds to. Like like Nineveh, you know, when when Nineveh turned, you know, and everybody put on sackcloth, you know, God was going to destroy all of the Ninevites. But you know, once he actually turned and repented, God God repented that He would destroy it. Amen. Another scripture I was reading the other day. It said, um, I think it's in Ezekiel also. It says that I am weary of your repentance because they were trying to turn and then go back turn and go back he said I'm, I'm wore out of it you know like you need to come all the way in is what he's saying Amen. you got another comment anybody <laughs> it doesn't look like we are huh yeah since it's after seven and we stop at seven but I, I wanted to go over these things and, and help um, explain them but you can see how somebody can try to pull a scripture out and isolate that scripture to build a doctrine instead of looking at what the full counsel of the word of God is and explain it. This world, uh, the religious world, is in a heap of trouble. And uh, we as believers um, must certainly be um, desperate or what's my word, uh, um, burdened to try to minister to this gospel and bring forth this mission to others before it's too late. Because the day is coming and so many people are deceived thinking, I'll make it in. Revelation 21, 27 is very clear that nothing defiled shall enter therein. And, uh, and, and that it's, it's got to stop. Sin's got to stop. Second um, Timothy two, two nineteen says that um, that everyone that names the name of Jesus that says they're a Christian depart from sin, quit. Um, Proverbs twenty eight thirteen through fifteen we know this. He says um, he talks about that um, that that. Um, how does it go? He says, he says, Proverbs 28, 13. He said, He that covereth his sin shall, shall not prosper, but he that, he that confesses and forsakes them. It's not just a confession, it's a forsaking, leaving that sin and walking on with the Lord. 
So anyway, we're going to continue in James next week. We didn't get there today. Uh, other important things that came up. I hope that was good for everybody and clear. So um, praise the Lord. Does anybody else have anything on their heart right now before we sing a song? I wrote something down. Um, I was reading the song. I was reading Genesis 34 mm -hmm. and uh, Jeremiah chapter 7. Uh, and then I hopped to Deuteronomy chapter 1. And I wrote some things down that came to me. And I said, many would argue that God has changed, but the Bible says, uh, changed like from, that he's not the same that he was in the Old Testament, that he's obviously mm -hmm. a new God in the New Testament. So people actually think that. And so I said, many will argue that God has changed his ways, but the Bible says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And how many would also argue that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, except for excluding how he was or how he treated uh, people with the consequences for what they did in the Old Testament, as if it's different consequences now mm -hmm. uh, than good. it was in the Old Testament. Uh, no one wants to come to just with the fact that God also has severity and not just mercy. Like he ha he's, he's obviously has anger, and he obviously has love also. You know, it's not just a loving God. He also has, you know, anger as well um, that he's shown some people and given us multiple examples within the Old Testament uh, how that, what that resulted in. Uh, I also have here today um, that God is a God of anger, that God is also a God of love. But what breaks my heart and the Lord also is that people intentionally clock their ears uh, that the Bible says um, that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, many would also argue that um, that he treated people different. And um, But what breaks his heart is, is that they... Uh, the clock there is, and they remain blinded for the pleasure therein. You know, that, it, that the itching ears in, in First Timothy, um, instead of just coming to the truth. You know, in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 7, if you read it sometime, Don and Ben, Larry, Terry, um, it was telling Pastor Don about this. It's really a good book. Like, it's really a good chapter. You know, Jeremiah, chapter 7. And um, Wesley was talking about... Um, Something too where the Lord doesn't hear you, or you're talking to Samuel, uh, Job, that even if these people came to me at the particular time, that I wouldn't have had favor. Where in Jeremiah 7, it speaks about the same exact thing. You know, even in Deuteronomy chapter 1, we were talking about this today, that there was this particular person or group that were going to war, all right? And they assumed that the Lord was with them, but they were in sin, and the Lord was saying, I'm not with you. If you do go to war, you're going to die, you know? Um, and so that's also another example that the Lord is literally not with anyone who's, who's still sinning, you know. So it's really, you know, look at those examples, too, to really take heed and say, man, like, this is not a joke. You know, like, multiple examples within the scriptures showing me that, man, he's really not with me, you know, if I'm in sin. So I need to make, make a change and, and get it right, rather if it's Old Testament or New Testament. It's an example for us all, you know, like Jesus said in, in uh, Matthew chapter 1, that he's come to fulfill the law and not to destroy it. You know, that's talking about, obviously, uh, the moral law of the Lord. You know, there were commandments that were in the Old Testament that still apply to us today, despite the Levitical or the Mosaic law, which, which is in the Old Testament. You know, several, several laws that Jesus has brought in, in Matthew 5 that we also should follow. 
you know, and so many different things that we're under, but resulting at the end in First John 5, it's not hard, you know, if you really do love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And Wes, we talk about this also, that it has no ill, you know, like if you really love the Lord, you won't do anything to hurt him. And so it's really a simple gospel. You just act, you just need to want that urge to, to want to dive deeper in God's word and to really get to that place, and you will. You know, but if you continue to ignore the truth, you, you won't get in. You know, you have to get to that place, you know, where you actually want better and you actually want to know the truth. Because if, honestly, just keep letting it go over and over, you know, that's where it's going to stay. You know, the Bible says that if you draw not to God, he'll draw to you, you know. And so you have to make that step. You know, as you say that, Cedric, I think one of the biggest problems with, with, uh, Christianity today is that we've been taught stuff that's not true. We've been taught that Jesus did things that he did not do. We've been taught that Jesus went to hell and suffered the penalty of all sin, past, future, and present, in hell for us. And now we can accept the Lord and his blood is going to cover over us for what he's done. And he doesn't look at us after our sin. And we're going to still make it to heaven because of what Jesus has done. As if God would take his own people that he came here for and send them to hell for their sin. But because we make some prayer of accepting the Lord and we commit that same sin, but we're going to heaven. It doesn't even make sense. But that's what man has preached Jesus died so that we could be forgiven and cleansed from all our past sin. If you read Hebrews and you find out that the blood of bulls and he goats could never take the sin away, that when you come to the Lord in a true state of repentance, godless soul and repentance, and, and, and receive that, then all your sin is washed away from the past as though you hadn't sinned. That's called imputed righteousness. It's not imputed righteousness for the future. It's imputed righteousness. You get his, his righteousness for all your past sin. But man has taught people, uh, I'm covered by the blood. I could do all these things. Uh, many, many people have preached, and they understand that you can't get to heaven with sin. Most, most understand that. But they think Jesus is a covering for sin. And he is not. And that's the rude awakening. To understand that he is not a covering for your sin. He has called you to stop. Too many scriptures that talk about it. He is, if you, even if you just read the writings of Jesus of what he spoke. Why in the world do you call me Lord and do not the things that I say? Heaven and earth will pass away before one jot or one tittle of my commandments goes away. He said, but he that teaches men and does it and does. Breaks, me, breaks, my, breaks the least of my commandments yeah. and teaches me so. He shall be the Yeah, exactly. So it, it, he said, it's not going to pass away. It didn't pass away. People want to say it passed away. Oh, you're not under that anymore. Yes, you are. You're under the law of Christ, 1 Corinthians chapter 9 says. You are to walk in obedience. The moral law never went away. Before the commandments came, the moral law was still there when Cain sinned and murdered his brother. 
he got the penalty for murdering his brother. The moral law is from the beginning to the end. If you do that, you will die. That's the way it is. Now you're talking about Hebrews 10 before we close. I just want to, I think this will bless, especially those that are listening. In uh, Hebrews 10, 18, it says, Now where remission of these is there is no more offering for your sin. The word remission uh, in the Strong's Concordance is G as in goat, 859. And the Greek word is aphesis, okay? And it means release from bondage or imprisonment. Remit. <laughs> Forgiveness or pardon of sins. Letting them go as if they had never been committed. That's right. Remission of the penalty. Oh, you pass in. You pass in.